there was a, there was a, I remember our church had a uh, concert one time and the band, they always ended their, their, their concert with a song about Noah and they always played the thunder and the lights and all that. And, and they, the end of the song was about people trying to get into the ark and they couldn't get in. And then everybody, we baptized 16 drug addicts that night and never saw them again. Because fear will not by itself bring revival. The Lord dealt with me that revival in this generation, because you can't scare this generation enough. You, there's not a thing we can do that can outpace what Hollywood has scared people into believing and seeing. And so we're not going to have revival by scaring people. We're not going to have revival from fear of what's happening in the world around us. People are desensitized, this constant news cycle all the time. They're desensitized. But the Lord dealt with me that true revival is not going to come from dread for the future. Real revival is only going to come when God's people have a restoration of the joy of the Lord and when the world sees the difference. Because the people they work with are worried. The people they go to, to, they go to school with their word, their neighbors, but when they come in contact with the true Holy Ghost-filled child of God that has real joy in their spirit in spite of everything going on, that's what this world wants, and that's what this world needs. And so what we need to make sure that we have a restoration of the joy of the Lord. Amen. I'm asking everyone in this room to make it a primary prayer request. That you ask God on a regular basis, Lord, help me to have the joy of the Lord in my life. Amen. Joy was one of the first things that connected that to the earth. That one of the first things that the Bible describes about being connected to the earth. Job described it. There's many most scholars believe that actually, from a time perspective, the oldest book in the Bible. From, a, from when it was written was actually the book of Job. In Job 38 and 7, it says, When the morning stars sang together, all the sons of God shouted for joy. One of the literal Hebrew renderings of this passage is this, that the angels shouted for joy as God laid the foundations of the earth. So from the very beginning of the earth, from the very beginning, their joy was connected to the creation of the world. Revelation 19 and 7, one of the last verses in your Bible, says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready. Let us be glad and rejoice. So from the very beginning to the very end, the Bible is a book about joy. In the end, for those that are saved, there's going to be rejoicing. Thank God for that. At the very birth of Jesus Christ, there was joy. Luke 2 and 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I will tell you that joy is available to everyone. Amen. That's what the Bible said, right? I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The message of Jesus Christ can bring joy to everyone. Amen. At the end of Christ's earthly life, 
there was joy after he ascended to heaven. Notice Luke 24, 52 and 53. The context of this scripture is as Christ was ascending after his resurrection, he was ascending into heaven and they would not see him physically anymore. But as, as he rose into heaven, the Bible said in verse 52 and 53 of Luke 24, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. The life of Jesus Christ from his birth to his ascension was about bringing joy to those that believed on him. Amen. So the ma- one of the major themes of the entire Bible is that God wants his people to have joy. Amen. Frowning is not a fruit of the Spirit. Grumpiness is not a gift of the Spirit. I think that God's people ought to look like the happiest people on earth. Amen. When you're walking through Walmart, whether you like being there or not, you ought to act happy. And it shouldn't necessarily be an act. One of the major themes of the Bible is joy. From cover to cover, you find in the Bible one reference after another to joy. As a matter of fact, 542 references. You'll find joy, gladness, delight, pleasure, laughter, merry, happy, other synonyms. 105 times in the book of Psalms alone, it talks about joy. All four Gospels, the book of Acts, And all the epistles talk about joy. From the general survey of the Bible, the Bible is a book about joy. I'm telling you, God wants you to have joy. Amen. God wants you to have joy. God doesn't want you constantly walking around upset or worried or fearful or fretful. God wants his people to be filled with joy. Genesis chapter number 1, verses 3 and 4. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. That word good in the original Hebrew is, that word good means joyful or cheer, pleasant or merry. God saw the light and said the light is joyful, cheerful, pleasant, and merry. And can I tell you that when you walk in the light of the gospel that your life ought to be joyful, cheerful, pleasant, and merry. That's the purpose of God. Amen. In the very first handful of scriptures, God had joy over his creation. And the Bible is full of the people of God rejoicing over what their Lord had done. You'll read in the Bible about Israel rejoicing over victories shouting for joy at the feasts of unleavened bread or first fruits. David dancing before the Lord with all of his might. In the New Testament, you can hardly turn a page without reading of somebody being healed by the master who went on his way rejoicing or great joy in the city as the gospel was preached. Uh, Or Paul, John, Peter, James, and others speaking of the joy of believers because of God's grace 
or our hope of eternal life. Joy is a recurring theme in the story of God's actions among his people. Jesus came to bring joy. Praise God. Jesus came to bring joy. At the announcement of his birth, the angels, again, I've already said it, bring you good tidings of great joy for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. Jesus came to bring joy. Praise the Lord. Amen. At some point, I, it, it seems for some people that, I don't know if it's because the way they were raised or maybe some of the pressures and, and, and dysfunctions that they've dealt with in life, some of the things that maybe they've suffered and, or, or endured in their life, but there's some people that just have trouble believing that God wants them to have joy. I'm telling you, everything I've preached so far from the Bible tells us that God wants you to have joy. Amen. So I want you to say it with me. God wants me to have joy. Amen. Now don't repent for lying. You really need to believe that because that's the message of the Bible. That's one of the themes of the Bible is that God wants you to have joy. God wants you to be so full of joy that all the people around you see something different about you than they do about other people. That when you face crisis, you have this abiding sense of peace and joy. We're going to talk about peace some more the next time. But God wants you to have so much joy in life that it stands in stark contrast to the things that this world can do. If your joy comes from a drug or a bottle, your joy will wane when the effects of that goes away. But if your joy comes from God, it'll never go away because God never goes away. God wants you to have joy. Say it with me again. God wants me. Come on, say it with me. God wants me to have joy. That's a prominent message in the Bible. So let's move on a little bit. Joel chapter number 1, verses 10 through 12. The field is wasted. The land mourneth. Now notice, notice some of these words that describe the conditions, okay? Wasted. The field is wasted. It means that, that the fruit is, is dead. It's dried up. The land mourneth. For the corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. The oil languisheth. Wasted, mourneth, wasted, dried up, languished. Boy, that's a, that's, a, that's a bleak picture, isn't it? Verse 11, be ashamed, O ye husbandmen, howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up. The fig tree languisheth. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. You know, they're naming all, and then they realize, I can't name all these trees, so they just sum it up. All the trees of the field are withered. Now, notice all those negative words, that terrible situation. If you, if you were in a culture, I mean, now we've got industry. We can go, if, if, if something's not growing here, we just go import it from Mexico or California or somewhere else. Just pay the money. These people had, didn't have that option. They were dependent 
upon the fruit of the land for their survival. So when they say the field is wasted, the land mourneth, the corn is wasted, the wine is dried up, the oil languisheth, the wheat, the barley, the harvest of the field, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree, apple tree, all the tree. When they say that, they're saying we're not going to have any food. It's going to be a it's going to be a difficult winter. How did we get in this condition? What happened? Notice what the Bible said because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Their spiritual condition affected their physical world. The spiritual condition of the people literally had an effect on the physical results they gained in the world. Because joy is withered, the harvest is gone. When joy withers, there is no harvest. This is true in our personal lives. When you, have, when you lose joy, your relationships suffer, your friendships suffer, your mental health suffers. Amen? When there's no joy, there's no harvest. It's also true in a church-wide sense. If there's not an expression of joy in worship in the church, there'll be no revival and no harvest. Amen. The Bible said that joy was withered away from the sons of men. Withering is a process of diminishing. Something doesn't wither in a moment. It withers over time. Isaiah 27 and 11. When the boughs thereof are withered, they shall be broken off. When something withers... It's one step away from being broken. When boughs begin to wither, they become brittle. They become fragile and easily damaged. Something they could have endured before they withered, they can no longer in, uh, endure anymore. And when joy withers, things that used to not bother you will start to bother you. Things you used to be able to just 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 brush it off and keep on going and living for God. But when joy withered, little things that used to not bother you all of a sudden become a big deal. When the boughs thereof are withered, they shall be broken off. That's why you cannot accept, you cannot accept just going by week after week without having an experience in the Holy Ghost because you cannot afford to let yourself wither. The more you let your spirit wither, the closer you are to being broken. So what makes someone's spiritual condition wither or dry up? Amos 4 and 7. And also I have withholding the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest and I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon and the peace whereupon it rained not withered where it rained there was harvest where it rained not it withered amen can i just talk plain to you tonight you need a regular outpouring of the spirit of god on your life amen you need a regular outpouring of the spirit of god on your life 
Because where it rains, there's harvest, and where it doesn't rain, it withers away. Amen. Joel said the harvest is perished because joy is withered away. And when there's no rain, things begin to wither. And so for us to, for us to quietly accept going service after service without a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost is setting ourselves up to be broken because when things wither, they break. So Joel gave the, the remedy for this lack of rain, Joel 2, 23 through 25. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. Your rain is a promise from God. Amen. Say that with me. My rain is a promise from God. And when the rain comes, look at verse 24. The floors shall be full of wheat. Where just a chapter before, everything was withering away. The rain falling makes the floors full of wheat. The fats, that the, the Bible said the oil and the wine languished. But now, because the rain fell, they're going to overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you, oh God, the years the locust hath eaten. The cankerworm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Only the rain can restore the harvest. Even if it's been years. God help me preach tonight. Man, I'm, I'd love to shake an old Pentecostal. It's been a long time since you prayed through. I'd like to shake something up in this place tonight. Even if it's been years. Look what the Bible said. I'll restore not the days. Not the minutes, not the hours, not the weeks, not even the months. He said, I'll restore the years that the enemy stole from you. All those years that you felt like you couldn't get anywhere with God, all it takes is one reign of the Holy Ghost and you can get back everything. <laughs> Woo, that was lost in that season. Even if it's been years, the years that the locust, the cankerworm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, it will be restored. That's why we push. Listen, that's why we push for a move of the Spirit every time we come to church. Amen. That's why we push worship, and we push to respond to the preaching, and we push to respond in the altar, because we know that the Bible teaches that if we don't get rain, we wither. And if we wither, we get broken. And so we need a fresh rain of the Holy Ghost to fall. Amen. Praise God. And it's not enough for it to fall around you. You need to fall on you. If you've not talked in tongues for a long time, you need to raise your hands and say, God, I need the rain. I need a fresh rain. I need a fresh rain. Because if I don't get the rain, I might wither. And if I wither, I'll break. I don't want to be broken. So we need the rain. We need the rain. If we're going to have joy, we need the rain of the Holy Ghost to fall on us. You cannot allow yourself to check out of worship and altar services because that period of rain is essential to the restoration of your harvest. Amen. I know we have older folks here that, that, that uh, 
I watch some of these younger people worship, and I'm like, man, just watching them hurts. You ever feel that way? Just, just like watching them. I, I like when we, when I preach really hard. I know I'm waking up sore the next day. That's just the way it is. And I understand that not everybody can run the aisles and shout, carry on. But that's not an excuse to not respond in the spirit from your seat. Amen. God, let the rain fall. God, let the rain fall. I cannot allow myself to check out of worship and altar services because that period of rain is essential for my restoration. And it's essential for my harvest. The harvest perished because joy was withered away from the sons of men. And the prophet said that when something withers, it shall break. You cannot long survive living for God without a consistent watering of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Another reason that people lose their joy is because they don't get rooted. Matthew 13, 3 through 6, But he spake many things unto them, in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Can I tell you, the sun, the, the sun is going to scorch you at some point. Not one of us are exempt from trouble. We're all going to have seasons of life that we struggle more than others. And if we're not rooted, we'll wither in those situations. But if you'll get rooted deep, then you can survive any scorching sun. The seed needs roots. Shallow Christianity will not survive. Amen. I'm not contradicting what I just preached about worship. But if all you want is the feeling, but not the word and not a prayer life, you're not going to last. I love the fact that we're having Bible study groups and prayer groups because those are rooting actions. Those are things that dig down and grab hold, and when the storm comes, it will keep you. That word will keep you through stuff that other people perish by, but because you're rooted deeply. God, help us to get our roots down deep in your, in your word and in your spirit and in the truth and in holiness. Let me get my life so grounded in serving you and living for you. That when the storm comes, when the sun shines, that I won't wither away because I have my roots deep. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And as ye have therefore received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. It's not enough just to receive him, you got to walk in him. Look at verse 7. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, 
abounding therein with thanksgiving. When somebody is rooted, they're not shakable. When somebody is rooted, you really got to get rooted down for yourself. Not because, not for your mama, not for your spouse, not for grandma. You got to get rooted deep in the truth and in the word of God. I like what it said, rooted and built up, because roots grow down, but they'll build you up. Amen. Anyone want to be built up? You want to be built up, you got, got to be rooted down. Jesus said in John 15 and 6, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. That word abide means to remain or continue. To abide is get, like getting rooted. It means to stay. Amen. You got to be faithful. You got to be consistent. You got to get rooted. All these things are protections against withering. When you begin to desire the things of this world more than the things of the spirit, joy begins to wither away. And when joy withers, everything else is withered. And the Bible said, the prophet said, that when it withers, it's broken. Isaiah 12 and 3. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Amen. God, I want a drink of water from the well. And so, God, I need joy to draw water. So, Lord, I'm asking you to help me to maintain my joy. That's why I said very early in this Bible study that I want it to become on everybody's prayer list God, every day. God, help me maintain my spiritual joy. You can have joy in adversity. You can have joy in adversity. Look at Luke 6, 22. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. Well, those two phrases don't seem to go together, do they? You ever, you ever felt blessed when somebody hated you? Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. And look at, look at all those negative words. Hate, separate, that, that, that separate you from their company. That means to exclude you, divide from you. It's like everybody else has a sleepover, they don't invite you. If you have a sleepover, don't invite me because I don't want to come, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there right now. My sleepover days are over. My goal is to get home as soon after this Bible study as I can and fall asleep before all those teenagers get there. Separate you. They hate. Separate you from their company. Reproach you. That means to defame you, to taunt, to rail at. To cast out your name as evil. To say that there's some kind of sin issue, that there's something bad about you. Well, that, that's enough to make you feel bad, isn't it? Except Jesus said, you're blessed. Feels bad to be hated, separated, reproached, defamed, called evil. How do I respond to that? 
the very next verse, verse 23, Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy. Let me just tell you, you don't want some people to like you too much. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. He said, look, when people treat you that way, just go ahead and rejoice and have joy because all you're doing is you're laying up more treasure in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. If I just endure the stuff that goes on around me in this life and I keep worshiping God, all I'm doing is laying up more treasure in heaven. And so he said, rejoice in that day. You got to have a mindset. That says, no matter what's going on around me, no matter what other people are doing, my mind is not on other people. My mind is on rejoicing and having joy because my reward in heaven is great. That word rejoice in that day, be cheerful, be joyful. It's hard to do, but, the, but Jesus said do it. <clears throat> Let me move forward a little bit more. When joy is absent, it can be also because sin is present. Psalms 51 and 9 is the prayer of David after he had committed sin with Bathsheba, another man's wife. They had a child, and that baby died. It set off a chain of events of sin in David's life. And David said this, Psalms 51, 9 through 12, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. David's sin had siphoned off his joy. His transgression had become a wedge between him and God. David knew that if his iniquities could somehow be blotted out, if his sin could be taken care of, then he could get his joy back. Can I tell you that if you've lost your joy over sin, you don't have to stay in that condition? Praise the Lord. If sin has driven you from God, you don't have to stay in that condition. You can come to God and repent and say, God, blot out my iniquities. I repent of my sin, forgive me God, change your ways and then God will restore your joy and I've seen him do it over and over but you gotta be willing to separate yourself from the sin that got you in that condition. Let me go a little bit further, look at what the Apostle Paul said to the Philippian church, Philippians 4 and 4, rejoice in the Lord always and again, and again, I say rejoice. If you're reading the King James Bible, it said rejoice in the Lord always. Right? Is that? Yeah, that's what it says. That word always means every when, at all times. Rejoice in the Lord, like we would say, always. And then he just, he reemphasized it. And again, I say rejoice. There are some times in life that you have to make yourself rejoice. Because rejoicing won't feel natural or even, or even right sometimes. But the Lord said at every time, at all times, 
Whatever you're dealing with in your life, go ahead and rejoice. Why did he say that? Because he knows the only way you survive some things is if you keep rejoicing. There's some things that your human mind and heart were not able, are not able to bear by themselves. The Bible said that, that, that the spirit of a man will sustain him, but a wounded, but a broken spirit, who can bear? Sometimes when your spirit gets broken, you can't bear it. That's why you have to go ahead and make up your mind. I'm going to rejoice at all times. No matter what happens, I'm going to rejoice because that's the only way that I can maintain my spirit. The only healing for a broken heart is to rejoice and get yourself in the presence of God. The apostles knew how easy it was to lose joy. Their lives were always at risk. Paul, the one that wrote that, 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 that book, Philippians, it's one of his jailhouse letters. He's in jail when he writes it. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, he's sitting in jail. He's dealing with circumstance. He's dealing with issues. The apostles knew my life is always at risk. I could just turn the corner and there could be someone that wants to kill me for what I believe, but they knew I've always got to be ready to rejoice because you have to maintain joy. You can't let it wither. James verse chapter, James chapter number one, verse two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. That doesn't mean when you fall into sin. That temptation means when you, you fall into, into things that, 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 that make your joy endangered. It's not like when you fall into sin, okay, I'm thankful I fell into sin. No, that's not what it's saying. He's saying when you start, when you face things that attack your joy, he said just when, you, when it attacks your spirit, just be thankful, count it joy. Because knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. When you're going through difficulties in life, when you're going through struggles in life, you have to discipline yourselves to count it all joy and rejoice because the only way you endure and survive the trial is if you have joy through the process. You, there's some things you will not endure if you don't train yourself. Okay, well, I, I'm, have, I'm struggling right now. I don't feel like worshiping God. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like praising God. I'm under a lot of stress. I'm under a lot of tension. Things aren't going right at home. Things aren't going right at work. Things aren't going right anywhere. And so I'm, I, I just don't, I can't get myself to do it. He said, no, you count it joy when those things happen because the trying of your faith is working patience. And so you just have to keep on, you got to discipline yourself to continue in joy. <coughs> Isaiah 61 and 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. If you look at, if you look at this verse, there's two contrasting images. There's the ashes that are the sign of something when everything's gone up in smoke. You have mourning, which is grief, and you have heaviness, which, is, which can, be, can be determined like an oppression or depression. 
But God has already designed the remedy that when you feel like everything's gone up in smoke, he's going to put beauty where there was ashes. And where there was mourning, he'll give the oil of joy. And when there's the spirit of heaviness, he'll give you a garment of praise. God wants you to have joy. The word appoint there, to appoint unto them. That word appoint, it means to put or to place, to set or to put in place. God said, if you are dealing with these things, I will set something on you that will turn your situation around. And the Savior came to set joy on those that mourn and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to do a work in somebody tonight. Let's move a little bit further. God wants us to have real, abiding, lasting, unshakable joy. Not a product of possessions and circumstances and other natural factors, but a fruit of the Spirit. That the Holy Ghost does something in my life that supersedes what goes on around me. Romans 14 and 7, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. What's the last four words? In the Holy Ghost. You gotta have your joy from the Holy Ghost. Not from how much money you make, not by who you're dating or who you're married to. You better, if you're married, you better not be dating anyone but the one you're married to. Not from the stuff you have, not from status. Your joy needs to come from the Holy Ghost. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And I contend that if we'll stay full of the Holy Ghost, we can have joy no matter what's going on around us. Amen. Amen. Coming, coming down the runway here. Most of the people that I have to deal with on a regular basis that are unhappy are people who I haven't really seen them respond in the spirit in a long time. Not trying to be offensive, insensitive, but the answer to life is being full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you get full of the Holy Ghost, it brings joy. Somebody say, praise the Lord. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of Jesus Christ, and when he comes, he brings joy with him. It's one of the reasons why we need a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost. God, it'd do us all good to pray through tonight. Every elder, every young person, everyone that has been so long, you don't even remember when the last time you prayed through was. You ought to pray through tonight because you need the joy of the Lord. Every sinner needs to pray through. Every saint needs to pray through. Every mom and every dad, every guest, every longtime member, every new member, we all need to pray through because righteousness, peace, and joy is in the Holy Ghost. And if we'll get the Holy Ghost, it'll bring joy with it. Passage is coming up. Psalms 42 and 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone, everybody say I had gone. With the multitude, I went, everybody say I went. I went with them to the house of, the, of God. 
with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that, gave, that kept holy. They said, when I remember, now notice what this psalm is. This is somebody that has been a long time. For whatever reason, they, they had quit going. I had gone with the multitude. I went with them. And for whatever reason, they let something interfere with their habit of worship. And he said, when I remember those things, I pour out my soul. I, I wish I could get back. I remember years ago, many, it's been, it was the 90s probably. There was somebody that, that I heard stories of how when they were younger, they used to run the aisles and worship and pray and, and talk in tongues. And they were so full of the joy of the Lord. And then, and then life, just the twists and turns of life for whatever reason, they, 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 they began to, 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 to not worship and not pray. And then they began to miss church. And then before long, while they were out of church, their life was filled with chaos and, and sorrow and all kinds of stuff. And when I went up, I, I saw this individual somewhere, and I was just talking to them and trying to encourage them. And, and in the process, they brought up some of the stuff they were dealing with. And so I, I asked them a very simple question, Brother Carson. It was a very easy question. I said, well, let me ask you, is life better now or was it better then? And a tear began to go down her cheek. And she said, my life was so much better then. I said, well, what keeps you from going back to God? And the answer was one word, stuff. Stuff. I'm like, just stuff. Can you imagine that, that living in a condition of misery, knowing that, that it was better. He said, when I remember those things, I pour out my soul. When I remember those old times when I was in the presence of the Lord, I had gone with them. I, I went with them. With the voice of joy and praise, I used to do all that, but now that I don't, my, my soul, I pour out my soul in me. I'm so, I'm so empty because I miss what I used to have. God, I'm asking you that if there's anybody that's in this room or watching online at any point in the future or watching online right now, that is away from you, God, give them a longing for your presence one more time. God, if there are words where I used to do that and I went and I, I used to have that, God, whatever the stuff is that's keeping them away, God, I pray for a restoration of the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah 8 and 10, then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah looked at the people and he told them, Look, go be happy. Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to them that has nothing. He said, Go live a good life. Go be happy. Don't walk around miserable all the time. For this day is holy. 
The joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm telling you people that this world wants to take your joy. This world wants to sap all the joy and peace out of your soul. I'm telling you to go out of this place and be happy. Be a happy Christian. Be a happy man, a happy woman, a happy child of God. Let God bless you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God wants you to be happy. If you're serving him and living for him, God wants you to have joy. Oh, you ought to thank God for it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He'll give you strength to overcome your trials. He'll give you strength for the journey. He'll give you strength for your battles. He'll give you strength against your enemy. He'll give you strength against your temptations. But you got to have joy to have your strength. God, let there be a restoration of joy in my life. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Everybody say joy. If you got the Holy Ghost, God wants you to have joy. Stand with me. Last verse. Now the God of hope. Isn't that a great title for a God? The God of hope. Woo, hallelujah. Lord, I'm glad you're the God of holy, and I'm glad you're the God of all the stuff you're the God of, the God of victory, the God of deliverance. The God, I'm, I'm glad, but God, I'm most glad that you're the God of hope. Why don't you raise your hands all over this place, if you can. And why don't you just call him, you're, my, you're the God of hope. Come on, you're the God of hope. I have, I have hope because of you, God. Not hope because of my ability, not hope because of my brains, not hope because of my finances, not hope because of my friends. You are the God of hope. What does the God of hope want to do? Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. When the Holy Ghost comes in, it'll give you joy. God of hope, come down in this place right now. God of hope, anyone watching right now, I pray that the God of hope would move Anyone listening in their cars, in their homes, wherever they are, anybody in this room, God, the God of hope, God, I ask you, Lord, to fill people with joy through the power of the Holy Ghost. You know what we need? We need a Holy Ghost breakout. You know what we need when we come back Sunday morning? We don't need a dead morning worship service. We need a time of joy and worship because the God of hope wants to fill somebody. Oh, praise God. I think somebody ought to praise him right now. God, I'm rejoicing because you're the God of hope and you want to fill me with joy. It's not your pleasure to hold joy back from me, but you want to fill me with joy in the Holy Ghost. So what I really need, what I, instead of me saying, God, give me joy, what I really need to say is, God, give me the Holy Ghost. 
Give me a fresh baptism of your spirit. Because when the Holy Ghost comes, one of the fruit of the spirit is joy. So God baptized <laughs> Baptize me with the Holy Ghost, Lord. Lord, let the Holy Ghost fill this place right now. Come on, you ought to let the Holy Ghost move. If it's been a while, you ought to go ahead and say, God, fill me fresh with the Holy Ghost because I need the joy that comes as a fruit of the Spirit. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Why don't you reach over to somebody close to you if there is somebody close. Why don't you lay your hand on their shoulder and why don't you begin to pray, God, baptize us with the Holy Ghost. Let me stay full of the Holy Ghost, Lord. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You don't need a new spouse, you need the Holy Ghost. You'll need a new situation. You need the Holy Ghost. God, it's in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is your key to joy. It's not a better job. It's not more money. It's not more stuff. It's not a better hunting lease. It's not this. It's not that. The key to your joy is the Holy Ghost. If you'll pursue the Holy Ghost like you do a raise, if you'll pursue the Holy Ghost, if you'll pursue the Holy Ghost above everything else, you'll have joy. It won't come in a new purchase. It won't come from all this stuff that the world tells you that you have to have to have joy. You don't need all the stuff this world has to have joy. All you need is the Holy Ghost. So, God, I'm pursuing your spirit. Come on, can you pursue the presence of the Lord right now? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's through the power of the Holy Ghost is where hope and joy and peace comes. Woo, hallelujah. Oh, why don't you lift your hands to heaven and say, Holy Ghost, baptize me one more time. Oh, yes, Jesus. Anointing fall fresh on somebody tonight. I'm in pursuit of the joy of the Lord, so I'm in pursuit of the Spirit of God. I'm going to tell you what you need is to pursue the Holy Ghost like you pursue the stuff in this world. We need to get a fresh desire to pursue God. When we come to church, it's not just a song, I'm pursuing the Holy Ghost. It's not just another song. It's pursuing the Spirit of God. It's in the Holy Ghost. Woo, I feel His presence here right now. Oh, Jesus. Somebody ought to just talk in tongues. You ought to just yield to it and let it flow out of you. Spring up, oh well, river of living water. Flow out one more time. Woo, hallelujah, come on. I don't know what you're holding back for. Go ahead and let it flow out of you. It's a river of living water and it's here for you.
my harvest to perish because my joy withers. And if it's withered, let one rain of the Holy Ghost come and bring it back alive. released to stop just yet I still feel like there's some more work in the Holy Ghost that needs to be done amen why don't you just wave your hand to heaven and say God of hope fill me with joy through the power of the Holy Ghost can can I tell you something can I tell you something that I know that you already know Dear Lord, this is the eighth lesson on the fruit of the Spirit. It's been interrupted by guest preachers, by camp meetings, by missions trips. And here we are tonight, August the 2nd, on lesson eight, talking about joy. I would like to think that God knew that you'd need this on August the 2nd. That this lesson tonight was not just randomly brought. I didn't just, look, I didn't just think, well, this is what I want to preach tonight. I've been on this series for months. God knew he spaced it just perfectly right so you could get what you needed tonight in the presence of the Lord. You ought to wave your hand to heaven and say, God of hope, thank you. You knew what I needed tonight. You knew what I needed on this first Wednesday night of August. That's why you didn't let it be taught eight weeks ago. But you knew I needed it tonight. So God, that's the God of hope saying, I've come to give you joy tonight. It's perfectly timed by the Holy Ghost for what you need at this exact moment. You ought to just say, God, fill me with the fresh gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, you ought to open your mouth all over this place. You ought to just begin to talk to Him. You ought to yield to the Spirit of God as His hand comes upon you. As he gives you utterance, you ought to open your mouth and just let a a free flow of the Holy Ghost come through you right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You can go home different tonight than what you woke up this morning. You can walk out of the doors tonight different than how you walked in because the God of hope has come to this place tonight to fill you with joy and peace through the power of the Holy Ghost. Woo! Glory! my life perfectly timed 
All things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. God, you have perfectly framed my life for to know exactly what I need at the right moment. God, I thank you that while you're keeping the worlds spinning on their axis, and God, while you control the sun, the moon, the stars, the rains, the winds, you have all the universe that you have to meticulously take care of. And even among all that, you have time for me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God of hope, thank you. God of hope, thank you. Who praise God. Oh, somebody ought to just yield to the Spirit right now. God wants to give. It doesn't have to be loud and boisterous, but it could be just right where you're sitting. You can just let the Holy Ghost flow out of you, and God can deposit in your spirit what you need for this journey. The God of all hope give you joy and peace through the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I like doing this. This certifies that Ashley Cowerson was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Where's Ashley? In the name of Jesus, same place. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Baptized tonight in Jesus' name. On a Wednesday night, Holy Ghost revival being poured out. Amen. One more time, can we just give God a praise? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. One more time before we get out of here, let's give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. Aren't you thankful that he takes time to visit us? Oh, hallelujah. Let me give you a challenge. Pray every day that God restore your joy. And let me give you another challenge. When we walk through those doors on Sunday morning, let's not have to take 20 minutes to get where we need to be. Let's hit it wide open with joy and praise in God because the God of hope fills us. Oh, thank you, Lord. God bless you. You can be dismissed at your discretion in Jesus' name.